This episode of the David and Cal Show is sponsored by a little oven pizza of Ooh, Merced. Mixing up the Did you wording. like how I sprinkled David yeah. and Cal in there? I feel yeah. like we never, we just say th- this episode is sponsored by. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good to spice it up. You know, yes, life yes. needs spice. And you know what has spice? They're delicious pepperoni. <laughs> there we go. We, we knew, we, you knew where I was going with yes, that. Yes, yes, of course. Yes, and you know, we talk about this on the show constantly. Little oven pizza pies are unparalleled when it comes to their creativity. Yep. When it comes to their flavor. Yep. And when it comes to their price, it's actually a really reasonable price for most definitely gourmet, um, in store. Yeah, I find myself getting robbed in most places downtown. But I walk. You can walk in the little oven, get two slices of pizza for around eight bucks, and walk. It's like a normal meal price. And trust me, two slices of pizza will fill you up. They're massive. Yeah, and they're not like they're not like what's like a really small. um, pizza slice chain, Domino's. Domino's is pretty small. Yeah, slices. yeah, definitely. But then, like compared to like Costco, the single Costco pizzas. Oh yeah, yeah. This is what we're talking about here. Little Oven has some massive, slices. massive. Yeah. So yeah, definitely worth the money because of um, its price, obviously, and yep. also its flavor to accompany it. And also, this podcast is sponsored by the Chocolate Dipper, your go-to fundraising option when it comes to anything uh, like regarding money. <laughs> <laughs> and if you need money, sell an apple. Yeah, keep it keep it that simple. Hit them up. Uh, you know what I mean. They had, they were adaptable. Uh, in a time where money really wasn't like during the recession, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, so the history of that, um, we haven't gone through the history in a while. We did it on the first episode, but um, yeah. So the chocolate dipper um, transitioned to a fundraising um, fundraising platform business. Yes. Uh, after the recession, because people during that time. You know, couldn't afford luxury chocolate dipped apples. Yeah, and you know who doesn't have money? Young people. So yes, go get go go sell some apples and go fund something. Yes, for your club, for your sports team, anything. Check them out. Um, they also have a uh, uh, local store where you can get their products yep. uh, in store. And also, this podcast is sponsored by Nextdoor Real Estate Professionals. Yes. Uh, yes. You're also go to. Uh, real estate company because they are the only they hold monopoly when it comes to being a local business that helps you with your real estate yep. you know i wouldn't trust anyone else to handle my uh house housing other than a community-based organization i can't century 21 is all around america and i can't name a single person who works for them yes next door real estate only works in merced yes exactly i can name three people who works them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and yeah, I just never got the reason why real estate shouldn't be a local company. It should, out of all the types of companies yeah, out I there. Yeah, I mean, it's you're literally owning land in a local area. Like, yeah. why isn't that handled locally? Exactly, exactly. But they are doing the right way, the best way. Go check them out, Next Door Real Estate Professionals. And I guess with that, let's cue the music and get on with another episode Up of David and Cal Show. Hey everyone, we are back at again with another episode, number two of season three, but I think number thirty-five in total. This is this has been a long journey, yes, long journey, yes, but also has. new journey because this is season three. We feel refreshed. Absolutely. Um, how are you feeling about this new season? We already did two episodes with uh, Student Spotlight. I feel like we're our consistency and, and the quality we're releasing is just better. You know what I mean? Yes. I feel like, and I feel like our motivation is back. I, I'm not to say we weren't motivated, but I definitely feel like we were kind of burnt out. I think we definitely hit a plateau. Um, the activism series lifted us up a little bit. Yes, that was definitely. Very Gave us a, a must-needed push at the end. Yeah, but yes. at the very end, a little bit, um, especially the very last week of Christmas break where we uh, recorded three episodes. But and actually scratched never, them all. Yeah, yeah. And, never, and never published them. It was during that the time. The Lost Episode series. <laughs> <laughs> released them when we... <laughs> yeah, no, they were just... Um, they were just 
well, one of them was an attempt at a new series that we decided not to go through with. Yes. Uh, and two were recap videos of our season two, but we just decided the way we did it, you know, it nah, wasn't it. Nah. So it, it just, yeah, it just wasn't entertaining. So yeah, and we have we have standards when it comes to our content, <laughs> yes. right? So we if we think that the content that we make isn't good enough to be put on air. We won't put it on. Believe it or not, we have standards. Yes. <laughs> you might not be able to tell, but <laughs> Bruh, yeah. there is quality control. How many podcasts do you think we've scratched? Uh, in season two, at least five. That's like hours of talking. Yeah. Just thrown down the drain. Two and a half hours, three hours. Yeah, season Yikes. one, um, I didn't scratch anything, mainly because my standards were so <laughs> 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 Anything got thrown anything. Yeah, I was just starting out, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but yeah, okay. I just want to start off with a quick story. I, I love starting podcasts with a quick story because, mm-hmm. you know, why not? Yeah, um, yeah. And I just want to get this off my N- chest. Nice and personal. Yeah, talk to us, David. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> right. Um, so over the weekend, I was, uh, I was home alone because my parents and my little brother were in the Bay Area yep. doing some business. Uh, I drove home. Um, to just stay home and also finish some of my college apps. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I got, so I went out in the morning to to go to the gym and also buy some food for, for myself to cook lunch and dinner. And then when I got home, I opened the garage. I was, I got in my car and then went to open the door that leads from our garage to our house, right? Opened the, tried to open the door and it was locked. Oh. And this door is never, ever locked in our house, right? Because why would you lock that house? Because this if this the is garage just a freak closed, thing. Like, never happens. Never happened before, ever. Like, I was confused. My instantaneous first thought was that someone broke into our house and locked all the doors so that he would he would stay inside and trap us outside, right? Okay. Um, because also, I forgot to mention, when I did get back home, I realized the garage door was still open because apparently when I left, it got snagged onto something and it oh, you know, okay. lifted back up. Okay. Um, so yeah, that was my instantaneous first thought. Someone went through the garage, opened the door, went in, locked the door so that I couldn't get in, and they're in there doing whatever the heck yeah. they're doing. Right? So you just had a spike in adrenaline. I was absolutely freaked because first of all, my parents were home. I was the only one home, right? And my in- like through my mindset, <clears throat> my instantaneous first thought was nine one one. Someone's robbing really. My house. Oh, you yeah. went to zero like, to hundred. I, I was like pulling out my phone wow. and everything. Okay. And I was like, wait a second. All right, slow down, David. Let's back it up because I thought, well, when we left for our home to go to the Bay Area, we probably locked all the doors instinctually and someone may have locked it from yes. the inside. Because it's one of those doors where you can like lock the door mm. and then you can still open it. But once you close it, it's locked. Oh, okay. You know yes, yes I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was like, okay, slow down. So, I checked all the windows first. Oh, sorry. I checked all the uh, back doors first just in case we didn't unlock it. Okay, yeah. It was unlikely. And then I checked all the windows. I tried to open them. None of them worked. And then I remembered. Well, my next thought was, okay, let me quickly learn how to, um, uh, what did you say, uh, pick a lock. I was like, you oh, know okay. what? let me pull, a, pull up a YouTube video. Oh, wait, did you actually, like, how to pick I a lock? I started, to th- like, that was my next instantaneous thought. I was like, okay, you know what? No, none of these ideas Wait, work. what's the, uh, the YouTube channel we always end up watching? Howcast? Like if you look up how to do something uh-huh, and it's something. always Howcast. They have some, they have <laughs> oh, a guide for everything yes, i learned how to uh, retire my bike with howcast howcast yeah, yeah, yeah it's ridiculous um, yeah shout out to, this this podcast <laughs> is brought to you by howcast no i'm just kidding but um, not actually yeah not actually but um but yeah i i thought about that instantaneously first and then i was like you know what slow down david you're, you're looking at all the wrong options yes and then i thought okay well my room is on the second floor um and a lot of the times i open my window to let let the air in Got and you. you know you know me I, I suck at locking doors um or windows in this case. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I might have a chance. But the only way to reach that is to get onto the roof and they get onto the second floor roof 
and then climb down to try to open my window on the side of the house. And so I was like, you know what? Out of all my stupid ideas so far today, this is probably the one that might work. Takes the cake. Yeah, so I, I, got, <coughs> I got our ladder thing, climbed the roof here, wow. scaled it up, and lo and behold, the window was unlocked. I was so, you have no idea how, I, I remember like literally saying, thank God, like out loud, like really loudly when I opened the window and it gave. Um, and then, you know, I just crawled back in there, unlocked every single door at the house. Yeah. And then, and then it was safe. But I think lesson to be learned here is, uh, I, I don't even know the lesson to be learned. <laughs> <laughs> the well, lesson uh, to be one, learned. For one, stay calm. <laughs> what is the lesson stay to be? Stay calm, right? I, like, I, I guess. Could've, I could have easily called 911. And oh, they and came. that would have been a fiasco. Yeah, that would have been, my parents probably had, had to come home if I tried to unlock the door with, uh, DUI, how to unlock, oh, what, D, uh, DIY, how yeah. to, uh, DUI, <laughs> DIY, um, how to yeah, pick a lock, paper that probably wouldn't thing. have worked either, so stay calm, everybody, and think your way through your tough problems. Yes, and then, uh, I guess I'll tell a story. Okay, quick story, let's In, let's in the theme, it. in the theme. So, this morning, right, I wake up, go through my daily routine, and I left my wallet in my car. Uh-huh. So, I usually leave nothing in my car because I don't trust my car's locking system, my car is a little sketchy, so I was like, <laughs> okay, little, just a little bit. Uh, sometimes you'll lock it, and but then only locks the driver's side door, or it'll only lock a certain door in the car, not the others. Mm. So, I get ready for school. I enter my vehicle to grab my wallet, because my ID card's in it. Mm-hmm. And the glove box is wide open. The uh, center console is wide open. And my some things are like thrown around in the car, some water bottles. And I was like, okay, this is definitely not how I left it. Mm-hmm. So, I search for my wallet. It's not it there. there. It, it was, wasn't it was there. So I, my uh, wallet is stolen. My, uh, I, actually, I did end up finding my ID card though, which is nice. It wasn't in my wallet for. Oh. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So you but got, you got but my license is stolen. Fifty bucks is stolen. Mm. So. Uh, oh yeah, your license. That's a tough one. So if you live out on uh, the uh, the El Portel uh, area, right by oh. El Portel, which is also like Jorg, uh, Columbia, watch out. <laughs> There's people, you know, robbing cars. Yeah. But you know what? I think this is interesting that you bring this up because. This might sound super bad but and super weird, but I think every kid, at least teenagers, should experience oh, yeah. something along this level where they either witness a thievery. I hope not, but it's, okay, this is some weird logic here. But I think because my first experience with this was, um, well, our, our, our chicken was <laughs> killed in our backyard okay. back, in, back in Utah. And that was like the first notion that I got, like, hey, there are bad people out yeah. there. Yeah, and th- this this like one this world isn't <clears throat> this world isn't a perfect place where everyone is nice to you. Yeah, definitely. You know? And this might sound horrible, but I think everyone should at least get that perspective. Yeah, like it, it definitely teaches you a lesson. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You you can be told that bad people are out there. You can be told bad things happen, but until it happens to you, you will never take that extra step precaution or really understand the level that people will t- to go to, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I think without these experiences, you might become reckless. Like, maybe next time, yes. you lose something worse in your wallet. Yeah, I'm definitely uh, making sure my car is locked. Because what, what I would do before is just lock it. Which is, and I would definitely take precaution to make sure it's locked. Uh-huh. And also, nothing valuable is locked Yes, but now I'm uh, mm-hmm. checking if each door even opens. You know what I mean? I'm going to definitely take that next level of precaution. Yeah, yeah. So I think, I think even though these events by themselves in isolation, in a vacuum, is bad... I think if you were to flip it up, flip it on onto its head, it's technically a good thing for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You get to get a experience, you know, the, the negative side of society, which I think yeah. you know you need to, right? You have to experience both sides of the coin in yeah, order yeah, to spend yeah. it, right? Um, that kind of that was kind of weird. I don't know where that metaphor came from. But, it but it anyways, works. It works. our first topic today that I want to talk about that 
Cal brought up is seating arrangements. I I don't even know how he got to that. Well, yeah, but I really love that you bring it up because, you know, it's these small things in classrooms that can completely change how how a classroom dynamic yeah. works. And I guess I'll start by asking you, David, what seating arrangement works for you? Mm, good question. So I'm going to start with saying that the ideal number of students in a classroom should be, I would say, either 18 or 24. And not like between 18 and 24. No, 18 or 24. Oh, Why? specifically that number. Specifically those two numbers. Why? Because 18 is uh, divisible into multiple groups, like yep. three groups of six, six groups of three, okay. um, nine groups of two, I don't know, or just two giant groups of nine. Yeah. 24 is even better because you, you can have two groups of 12 or vice versa, yeah. three groups of eight, vice versa, four groups of six, vice versa, two groups of 12, vice versa. Um, so in that way, you can partition your students into small, smaller groups so they can do group projects a little bit better. Um, so it makes a good dynamic and yeah. anything above 27, <coughs> I think is just too many students. It's way too many students. In the I'd, I'd agree with you. Um, in my A-Push class, mm-hmm. uh, I think I only had 16 people in there, mm-hmm. which is not a bad number. Here. I would, I would prefer 16 over something like yeah. 32. Fantastic. I love that class. I mean, you still have like the whole collaborative feeling of having a whole bunch of people with you and you're learning as a group, but you're not distracted. There's not people in there. It's, it's hard to assume that when you have like a number like 40, that everyone is going to be fully participating. Exactly. It's hard to manage that many people. It's just, it's a tough, it's a tough number once you get into the forties. Yeah. And it's all about the balance, right? Cause if you have, excuse me, if you have too few students, excuse me, if you have too few students, you risk the fact that um, there's not enough diversity in, in ideas. Yes, right? most definitely. Yeah. Um, especially in something like a push where it's hopefully discussion based. If you have like 12 or eight students, it's hard to have that diverse opinion that's bouncing off. Most of the time, it's going to be like a few kids who are speaking. Yeah. The more kids you have, the better when it comes to diversity. But yes. there comes a threshold where there's too many students so that the teacher can't invest enough time per student. Yeah. And I think that's a very overlooked aspect in classrooms where teachers should invest personally into students, like individually. I think the idea of individuals is lost in classrooms, especially yeah. the size of and 40, 35. Yeah, you can like definitely that. end up developing respect with your students too. And they'll end up not just doing work for themselves, but they'll be doing work for the teacher. Yeah. And I mean, if you can develop that relationship and just, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Think of them as an individual. I think it's just, it's a healthy for everyone. Right. So now about seating arrangements, because that's yes, important yes, as well. Yes. Um, throughout our educational careers, I'm sure we have experienced multiple different types of seating arrangements and they worked at different levels. So yes. for me, I'll start with my own tier <laughs> we can do like a tier list yes i like the tier list my top tier list is miss shelburne's classroom where they had very unique like uh there are trapezoidal desks Ooh. that could be arranged into a ring of six <clears> or <throat> um a group of three which is, is kind of looks kind of looks like a triangle yeah or a group of four or uh, i don't know about five uh four or just a giant ring of the entire class of 32 so in my case, I would say the best seating arrangement is a seating arrangement that could be modified constantly. Because in, in that class, it was almost always a ring of six. So it was a group of six that yeah. whenever doing projects, you'd be like discussing in a ring of six. Uh-huh. If it was during a test, you just separate the desks individually and they would all be kind of isolated into like little islands. Or if you're doing like a pair project, you can also combine them. It, it kind of looks like a uh, So yeah, what you're saying is things have to be flexible. Things should be flexible, but... There are also classrooms that, ha- so let's, let's just, let's just talk about like static. Assume, yeah, you can't, like, there's yeah. no changes, mm-hmm. right? In that case, I would prefer something that 
my teacher, Miss Alamillo, uh, Miss Alamillo's classroom, yes. which is um, different in that it's like a basically she has five big islands of desks. Yeah, and everyone's facing each other, right? Facing each other, yes. Um, and I think there's six to seven students per yeah, desk. Yeah, yeah, sounds about right. Um, and yeah, I think to me that was the most favorable because. Um, it was that same idea where you can discuss, you're facing your partners. Right? Yes, yes, which I think is huge. Yes, yes. Um, I think the downside, though, with that seating arrangement is that some people are facing away from the uh, front board. Ooh, so during lectures, they that, would have yeah. like, turn 180. Yeah. Um, and, of course, that's less than ideal. And also, um, at least the way that class was structured, um, it was tough to speak with others, um, mainly because we just didn't really do, like, discussions too often it was pretty good but i just liked it in that i just liked seeing other students yeah right and that that it almost felt like a community like a little family yeah i know what you're saying uh i'd say the best um seating arrangement though i i think it's by far the best i've ever experienced is uh miss jones's classroom mrs jones oh hers her seating arrangement is unique <laughs> unique most unique i think on campus, I would say in the county. I don't think anyone's even trying this. I don't even know what other classrooms there are. But <coughs> so the first time I went in there, yes, it was very interesting. So what she has is just multiple islands of couches, tables. Uh, bean she bags. has bean bags, chairs that, with, that can roll. She'll have like a full-on recliner sometimes. Like these these weird chairs that uh have like a desk that'll fold out. Basically, okay. it's variety. Yes. As it, when you walk in, like it's, it doesn't even look like a classroom. It doesn't look like a classroom. It looks more like a cafe. It, it looks like a lounge. Like right? a lounge, yeah. It, yeah, lo- it looks I, like a place you would go to relax, talk with friends. Yeah, I, when I first walked in there, I was confused. I really didn't think I was in a classroom. But uh-huh. as I've been in there, it's just worked. And she supplies clipboards if that's a concern that you don't have like a hard surface to write on if you're on a couch. But yeah, it's it's a unique experience. And every day you can sit somewhere else. Obviously, flexible seating, I think it's important. But uh, every day. It's just it just adds variety, you know what I mean? Keeps things fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think like you okay, so you mentioned something important. Your first time going in that class, first impressions. Imagine going in a classroom where it's like a complete rigid grid, where it's Rose. eight classes, uh, sorry, eight desks by four desks, thirty-two desks, like a you know giant rectangle facing forward in the lecture. Which is the least effective seating, but the most common. Uh-huh, most common, but I just think that style. Um, I think it just gives like the impression of a very rigid classroom. Definitely. Which again, I think in some classrooms it might work, depending on how the teacher implements yeah. it. Yeah. But I think it's also important, like going to if you go into a place that looks like a lounge that feels like a lounge and you feel relaxed, um, I think you have a higher chance of you know behaving as if it were a lounge. Yeah, right? you're you're and relaxed. I think you're yeah. more creative in that class because <clears throat> I remember going into that class. I don't have a class unfortunately but i just remember going in there and feeling like i, I could think well yes. i don't know it's a very yes. weird dynamic and it definitely promotes being collaborative which is uh something that i feel like the rose mm-hmm. and the classic like everyone's facing forward it misses out on obviously now yeah. i want to know your thoughts on flexible seating every day you can sit wherever you'd like no sitting chart i think that works in only something like miss jones's class where there's different literally different types of seating okay yeah. right where there's couches and there's that uh-huh. when it's like a grid Right. Well, obviously, you're going to be incentivized to sit next to your friends. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I really can't see how flexible seating would you know, be beneficial in any way um, in a grid classroom. But in a classroom such as Miss Jones's, where there's couches, there's beanbags, there's tables, there's chairs, there's yep. everything. Yes, I can see how that could be useful. Now, I want to know your thoughts on this idea. Think about this. A seating chart, random every single day. So you never know where you're going to sit. And you 
come into class and it's probably projected on the overhead where you're supposed to sit. And every single day, it's something different. Again, I think this has to depend on the fact that whether or not the teacher will actually use this to use. Like, if you're going to randomize the seating and then, like, never have oh, group discussions, yeah, yeah, yeah. then, you're, then you're this, it's pointless, yeah, right? Definitely. But if, for instance, if it's more like a lot of the activities going on in classroom has to do with pairs, like you always pair up with someone yeah. and you work on a pro worksheet or do, a, do something together, then I can see how that can be useful. Unfor obviously, there's a downside to this, which is, of course, it would be difficult for the teacher to do this every single day, day yep. in, day out. Yep. Um, and also, um, it will be, I think, like, I think it would take out a little bit of class time because you're always like shuffling the first time. Yeah, definitely. Uh -huh. So there, there obviously are some downsides. Yeah, that, but yeah. I can see, again, it's, it's a good tool, right? It's a good tool, just like how the computer is a great tool, but if you don't know how to use a computer, it's literally just a slab of metal. Yep. Same thing here in that randomized seating. It's a great tool if used correctly in the right environment. So and it does require some sacrifice, so it makes sure it's worth it. Mm -hmm. I would say it's worth it, again, but if you use it correctly. So in this case, how I would do it was if it was randomized seating in like a... And how the desks work would be like maybe triplets or, or, or pairs of desks okay. next to each other. Um, and then, yes, you would randomize the pairs every single day. And then throughout, there would be minimal lectures, I would say. And then the activities would all include pairs of students, um, and they would be talking to each other. They would be thinking. They would be bouncing across ideas. Yeah. Um, of course, I, you know, I don't have the expertise to know exactly what kind of activities that would include. But if we do have any teacher audience members, um, I would encourage you guys to to think about what randomized seating, how that might work. Yeah. And you guys don't, not necessarily need to implement it, but think about it. Definitely consider it. Consider it, and you, you should like tweet at, tweet, at, tweet at us if you decide to and see if it works yes um it's definitely an idea one of the this downsides think tank idea, i know yeah yeah definitely one of the downsides of uh the miss jones uh environment is when you sit in that couch and you start sinking in oh you get you, you get slowly sleepy. get tired uh -huh. and it can take you out like he, she even uh recommends if you're feeling tired don't sit in the couch don't, like don't, it, it can it can just drain you and take you straight to a nap yeah. Yeah. So again, there's always considerations when it comes to any sort of class. It's it's like pros and cons for everything, right? Yeah, you yeah, have yeah. to consider each. Other. But again, it just depends on your situation. Um, I guess final thing that we, since we're kind of wrapping up time, I just I, I saw this on Twitter. Um, it was like a post from this principal from this other school, and okay. I was just immediately fascinated because of the sheer novelty of it. In class, when you're in class, you hardly ever move, right? Yeah, it's true. It's true. Unless you're in like biology and chemistry, maybe you have like a lab and where you're Yeah, standing. I mean, uh, Mrs. Jones is like the most progressive teacher I know. So she has like a whole bunch of exercises that require us to move. Oh, really? Yeah, she'll, she'll put uh, like QR codes all over the class. Oh, okay. I see. What uh, you a mean. few things like that. Or we'll do like a musical chairs exercise uh -huh. or, you know what I mean? But even then, exercise and classroom teaching and education and learning yeah. are in completely separate categories. So you're trying to slap them together. So what this post was, it showed a group of students, they're like third grade, I think. They were on <coughs> elliptical bikes with the desk attached to it. Yeah. So you can imagine there's like a desk slab here and it's on a bike and they can, while they're biking, they can. Yes. And that was, compl I was blown away. I don't know if it's a good idea yet. We can discuss that real quick. But the fact, and the study uh, that accompanies this was that, um, especially for younger kids, exercising while studying potentially has upside. And I just thought, like, I could imagine, me personally, I could imagine in a class biking while I'm reading or while I'm, um, you know, doing work. I don't know about like doing tests, probably not, 
but like yeah. studying or like yeah i don't know i'm not i just don't see the the whole that that movement in particular being beneficial to me uh-huh. i'm a rocking guy if You're i can like guy? rock the chair back and forth i just feel like that i don't know what it is but it like puts you in a trance uh-huh. so i i guess i i don't know i just I'll have to see how beneficial it is, especially, like, for the youth, and see, is that money worth it? Because these desks were, were pricey. Well, yeah. But that's well, a topic actually, for another day. They're, they're $200, $300, which is actually not too far away from what a normal desk costs. Oh, really? Like a yeah. one-piece desk? Yeah, like, well, the one- like a one-piece desk is around two one fifty. Okay, okay, yeah. So it's not too much over the price. Um, of course, there are downsides that I can think of. One would be you have that one rowdy kid who, who just, just goes, goes spastic off. with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, of the upside, though, is that he won't be able to do that for too long because everyone has a limit. And yeah, you and, be able and to bike at least it gives someone a, an ability to drain that energy. Exactly. Which, which is what I agree with. I agree with, yeah. Right? So it, it fits everyone. Those who are troublemakers in the classroom, uh, their energy is expelled from that bike. If they're, if they're really rowdy from after lunch or something, yeah. it's going to be all spent on that bike. And those who are a little bit more quieter, you know, they can go slower on I'm just bike. imagining a kid, like, sweaty by the end of class, and he's yeah, just, like, I think that, biked a whole marathon. Yeah, and I think that actually could contribute to a lot of problems that we have in schools. You know, the obesity problem. Oh, yeah. The, uh, everyone, how everyone's super lethargic. Yeah, I think all we can do with this one is just try it. Yeah, I think it deserves I, to be tried. I, I would, are you, would you be down to try it? And I don't know. I don't see it being effective in high school. I uh-huh. think people are pretty mellow in high school. I think the issue in, in high school is people are almost too mellow. Uh-huh. And I think, even though this might sound controver—not uh, controversial, um, counterintuitive—they say that when you exercise, you release adrenaline and, and stuff that will boost your heart rate, and you actually become more active and more focused. Ah, yeah. Um, so I think I think that even might address it. Where if you feel tired that day. After exercise, you know how that is, right? Like, you're tired throughout the day, like, during on podcast, during sixth period, you're, like, yawning and Dude, everything. you know I'm, like, out of it. Yeah, and then you go to tennis, and you're suddenly instantly awake. Why yeah. is that? Because your heart rate's up, adrenaline's pumping. Honestly, I think there could be intense upside for this. I think there could be, but I think we're just so and stuck you, you think And you think in high school, too? Like, I think in every, every level of Perhaps uh, even education? College. Pre- even college, okay. in any okay. situation where you're trying to learn something, um, I don't think you should be stagnant at all. I think learning on the move is something that we have failed to consider as an option for so long. And now it's so ingrained in our society where, you know, if we're studying, if we're learning, you sit down, you, you take out your book and you read, right? Yeah. You never think about moving around because I think that has to do with, you know, troublemakers moving around and doing too much stuff. Yeah. yeah rowdy yeah. kids and uh-huh. all that. But honestly, I think this is a good middle ground for, for something completely like where yeah, I think I just it, walk around and read. I don't know how that would work. I think you have changed my mind on this one. Uh-huh. I and even so, I I won't I can't back this up saying this is a solution, but it's such an interesting one that I think we're doing a disservice by ignoring it. Something I think we have to at least try. Definitely it. try. Yes, put it, I think implement it in a few schools. Uh-huh. And see how Elementary, it goes. Elementary, middle, and high school. See which ones work the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this reminds me, we weren't a podcast when the whole like fidget spinner movement and the whole fidgeting thing like you know took storm. Like, do you think that that kind of falls into the same category? I think so. You, th- you think so? I think so. It has to do with, like, trying to use up that energy for two rowdy kids and maybe waking up the more lethargic kids. Did you think the whole fidget spinner movement was, like, positive? I think it went a little bit overboard, and that's the yeah, danger definitely. with the bike, bike thing. Yeah. You know, it again, the idea is there. The tool is there. How you implement it and how it evolves is completely up to decisions that are made, you know, on the ground while it's happening. So I guess with that... 
Let's wrap it up. Yeah, good talk. Even though it was only two topics, they were very in-depth topics, and I think we got to some places very well. And we didn't even really plan on uh, talking about these when no, we walked really. in. Yeah, we, really. we came up with these like last minute. and Yeah, and I, it was a good decision. We definitely have more things to talk about. Um, we were going to do, be doing a Q&A session, but I think we're going to reserve that for our next David and yeah. Cal show. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll yes. catch you on the next episode.